0: Well, if you have your Bible, once you turn with me over to, let's see, we're going to be um, we're going to be reading a lot of um, of proverbs, so you might want to just find where proverbs is, and um, and and you could just follow along. You'll be close to the chapter whenever I quote it. Amen. And we've been talking about um, about open heaven, and um, you know the Bible talks about um, about an open heaven. And it talks about a closed heaven, actually, as well. And I believe that it's better to have an open heaven than a closed heaven. Amen? I think it's always better to have heaven open over our head and over our family and over our house than a closed heaven. And I think there's things that we can do to open heaven, and I think there's some things that we can do to close heaven. Amen? And we're not smart enough to know everything that opens heaven and smart enough to know everything that closes heaven. So God has given us an owner's manual. He's given us an instruction, an instructional manual to how to live under the open heaven instead of the closed heaven. Amen. Now this series on open heaven is a series dealing with financial management. And in week one, we talked about the, the spiritual connection between financial management And an open heaven. And the scripture says in Malachi 3, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that they might be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. So Malachi says tithing opens heaven. Faithful financial management opens heaven. Do y'all believe that today? So you can either believe it or you can doubt it. But faith opens heaven whenever we hold on to the promises of his word. In week two, we talked about the spiritual connection between financial management and spiritual freedom. You know, money can have us or we can, money can control us or we can control money, right? But, but it, it's one or the other. And we talked about the fact that the influence of money can just bring us into bondage. And, and you know, some people live so, so stressed out and so fearful, and so uh, so emotionally bound because of the whole issue with money. And uh, you know, I, I heard a story not long ago, and uh, this this man let his wife die because he was he didn't want to pull out a few dollars to buy her some medicine. Isn't that terrible? You know, you heard that analogy of this monkey. You know, and uh, you know the way they trap him is they put a banana or something in a cage, and and the uh, I think it's a baboon, and the baboon will reach in there and he'll grab the banana, and he won't let go the banana, and he'll stay there all night until they come the next morning, and they just grab him, and all he had to do was let go the banana, and he would be free. But sometimes we hold on to money so tight, we get enslaved to it. Amen. And so we got to be careful about about money because it can rob us of uh, of the blessings of spiritual freedom. Amen. And then we concluded last week by talking about uh the key to financial management and to have an open heaven. And, and really to stay spiritually free from greed and, and and idolatry and all this stuff is to be a giver, to become a heavenly investor. Not just giving because you can give to you can give to politicians and you can give to save the whale and all that. But it's not going to bring your heart closer to God and it's not going to release a greater blessing over your life. Amen? And so you got to be a giver, the Bible says. In fact, Matthew 20, uh, 6 and 20 says, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will be also. So giving financially keeps us positioned to experience the blessing of God in our life, but it also keeps our heart connected to God. And that's one of the reasons why God encourages us to be a giver, a heavenly investor. And then number three, giving prepares us for eternal life. And and it gets us ready for when we meet our maker and we have to give an account for our life. And and we we say, Lord, this is what I did with what you gave me. And how many of you know it's it's good that you become a giver when you meet the maker? Amen. And so now in conclusion today, we're going to talk about uh, enjoying financial freedom by managing 100%. How many of you know you got to let God help you manage 100%? Amen. Amen. And, you know, I was just thinking about this and, and uh, you know, like, you know, you know, we know the principle, God's principles of management in the world. This seems ridiculous. If you're full of greed and, and selfish ambition and all that, you don't want to hear this stuff. But if you want to if you want God's principles of financial management, he says, now, look, this is how you do it. Whenever you got $10 of increase, when God, uh, when whenever the Lord gives you enough strength and breath and health and, and grace and jobs and all that, where you can get some money in your house. When you get $10, dollars i tell you what you do. You take one of those $10 and you bring it to the storehouse, you bring it to the local church and you just give it unto the Lord. That's what he says, right? And then he says, if you do that, he says, when you, when you do that, it'll open up heaven. And not only does it open up heaven, it'll keep your heart free from greed. You know, some people, man, they they so worried about somebody getting their stuff that they can't smile. But he says, you know, when you learn to give, it'll help your heart stay free from greed. How many of you think that's good? And it can help you to stay free from covetousness so that even if you got a lot, you're not looking over the fence at whatever somebody else got and say, I want that too. Come on and help our hearts stay free. Amen. And it'll break the spirit of mammon off off of the rest of it. Amen. It'll get, it'll rebuke the devourer off of the rest of it. How many of you think that's good? I think that's good. Amen. Now, Romans chapter 11 and verse 16 says, "If, if the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, whenever you, when you tithe and you, and you, and you make the Lord, you reverence the Lord. And he says, the tithe is holy unto the Lord. He says, what that does, it says, if, if the first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. So I know that if I learn to give God 10%, I know the rest of it has got his anointing on it. How many of you know you can do better with God's anointing on $1 than you can do without God's anointing on a $1,000? Amen? Now, giving God the first fruits releases a blessing. But now... What we do with the other 90% matters as well. How many of you believe that? To be a faithful financial manager, you can't just manage the one or the 10%. You got to manage the 90%. Are y'all tracking with me? Now, so years ago, I did a message called, uh, it was uh, how to tithe and still be lacking. And that message came out of an experience. I was discipling somebody, and they had, uh, they had uh, decided that they were going to start tithing. And, and I would talk to them, and they were always struggling financially. But then whenever I, Tanya and I would talk to them, and we'd find out what's going on in their life, we realized, man, they were not managing the $9 correctly. And so they were looking at God and saying, God, I did what you said. Why don't you bless me? And so I said, well, man, listen, we need to talk about what you're doing with the $9. And so this is kind of what we're talking about today. Um, We talked about the biblical principles in order to exercise good financial stewardship. And so if you don't do, if you don't follow good financial stewardship with the 90%, you're going to still struggle and you're never going to be financially free. Come on. Are you all with me? Say amen. Amen. Like, for instance, for example, the principle of being a willing and cheerful giver. Now, you know, how many, of you, uh, how many of you like when somebody gives you something and they say, I don't really want to give you this? How many of you want to just like, here, take your stuff, man? Now, how many of you believe God don't like it when we come up to God? I don't really want to give you this. And so, you know, so we need to exercise the principle of giving with a willing and gracious attitude, right? You can't either give offerings grudgingly or with a resentful attitude. You might lose your blessing, right? Are y'all with me? This is what 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Like, don't give because, well, Todd said I got to do it. I guess I'm going to do it. No, don't do it. It, Don't do it with an attitude. Don't do it resentfully, you got to give it cheerfully, amen? And so giving with a a grubbing or a resentful attitude might cause you to lose your blessing, amen? Come on, y'all tracking with this? Here's another example. We need to exercise the principle of purity and upright living. And so listen, we can't willingly choose to live a sinful or unclean life and expect Well, I gave God 10%, then He's obligated to bless my life. Well, how many of you know you can undo that thing? You can undo that thing if you don't live uprightly. And, you know, even if we tithe, God may still mess with our financial supply in order to discipline or correct us. Say, would He do that? Yes, He would. Just like we, if we really love our children, we'll discipline our children so they don't become not heads and they never succeed in life. Come on, that was the Cajun vernacular right there, huh? I would give you the chapter and verse, but I can't think of it right now. But Hebrews 12 and 6 says, For the Lord disciplines those he loves. Verse 10 says, For our earthly father disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in His holiness. And sometimes financial discipline comes because the Lord's trying to get our attention and get our hearts back on track. You think He might do that, saints? About three people think so. See, in biblical times, God disciplined the Israelites. And the way that He did it, He He shut heaven up. He cut off their financial supply. And in fact, he withheld rain from watering their crops. And he allowed some locusts to eat all their beans. And this is what he said to them. The reason why he did that, he said, the only reason I'm doing this is I'm trying to get your heart back on track. And this is what he said. We are all familiar with the verse 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, right? But wait, hold on. Listen what verse 13 says. At times... I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my praise and turn from their wicked ways. Listen to what he says. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and restore their land, my eyes will be open and my ear attentive to every prayer made in this place. So you see, the whole motive of the Lord shutting the heavens for the children of Israel is they were going astray. And He was saying, oh man, that's that's trouble. And I would rather shut heaven for a little while, give them a little financial strain and get them back on track than to keep prospering them and they forget who I am. A final example of tithing and still not getting blessed is not following the principle of financial wisdom on 100% of the income. Like what you you do with the 90%. Now, it's not just obeying financial wisdom on 10%, but it's obeying financial wisdom on 90% that makes the difference, right? Not just 10%. And um, I mean, think about this. Like, think about it like... Okay, God gives us $10. And so we say, okay, well, Lord, uh, I think what I'll do is uh, I'll just bring 10% to the storehouse and I'll give it unto you. And then with this other 9%, I think I'm going to go to the casino. I think I'm going to put it in them slot there machines. And man, I might multiply my blessings. How I many you know that's not financial wisdom? And I'm just using an exaggerated, an exaggerated example to show you that you got to use wisdom on the other ninety percent. And, and I, am, I am not doing a justice to training and to teaching the congregation if all I talk about is the ten percent. We got to talk about the ninety percent. You got to manage one hundred percent. Amen. And the scripture says in Proverbs 24 and 3, by wisdom, a house is built. And through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. How do you get treasures in your house? You use wisdom, you use understanding, and you use knowledge on 100% of your income. Then it'll cause your household to have some riches in it. Amen. The Lord requires us to use wisdom on 100%. And so let's talk about that today. Let me let me just give you some key principles of wisdom to managing 100% of your income so that you can stay financially free. How many of you know that just getting a million dollars is not going to make you financially free? Do you know that some of us, we could get a million dollars and we would be broke in a year's time? If you don't learn how to manage your finances, it doesn't matter if you get $5 million. Man, you're going to take a jet to France and bring all your friends and you're going to drop a million dollars in one weekend. It's what happened to one of the professional athletes. He made millions of dollars, but he got broke as broke can be because he didn't manage his money correctly. So you got to manage the rest. And so one of the principles of, of, of financial wisdom is this, learning to plan your spending. Plan your spending now. Come on, that was a great amen right there. I could tell. Oh, praise the Lord. Now, it sounds so elementary that some of us don't even use it, right? And so some of us live under financial stress because our spending is out of control. If we control our spending, then we get financial freedom. But if we don't control our spending... Financial stress will always be on our life. And so we have to talk about this. The truth is we don't plan our spending, or if we don't plan our spending, then we will never get ahead. And we will never enjoy financial freedom. So you got to plan your spending. And this is what the greatest, the, the most wise person of the richest man in biblical times said. He said, Proverbs 25 or twenty one five. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. But hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Good planning and hard work. Now, we know good, we know we got to work hard, but we got to plan too. And so many people leave under financial stress and they never get ahead because they don't plan their spending. Now, what, is, what does that mean, planning your spending? I'm, I'm fixing to say a bad word, but, you know, I'm just trying to make the point. You plan your spending by creating a budget. It's a bad word. Budget. You know, what is a budget? It's a financial plan. It's a financial plan of how you're going to spend the money that God blesses you with. It's prioritizing your spending so you spend it in the right place. I just love it when somebody comes to church and says, Hey, can you help me with my electric bill? Hold on just a minute, my cell phone is going off. Well, wait a minute. Before you paid that cell phone bill, you should have paid your utility bill. Come on, I know I just meddled right there. I could tell. But listen, a budget is setting goals on what you want to accomplish financially. You know, like, what do you want to pay off? What is your biggest need? What do you want to buy? Listen, if you could, if you, the last thing you want to lose, that's what you need to pay first. Amen. If you like your house, pay that first. Amen. Come on. If you like AC, pay that utility bill. Come on. Are are y'all receiving this today? I say budgeting. Listen, is basically planning your spending and telling your money where it's going to go. Amen. Instead of your money telling you where you're going to go. And so Habakkuk 2 2 says, then the Lord answered me and said, write this vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. One of the one of the wisest things we could do is to sit down and write on paper. How we are going to spend our money? Write it down. And so I encourage you, you know, if you don't have a budget or you never even thought about budget and get you a get you a budget, get you a a, a paper that helps you with a budget. Google it. There's an app for that. I promise you there's an app for that, right? Go on Dave Ramsey's website, I'm sure. I know there's free stuff out there. And if you can't can't get to it, call us. We're going to help you, all right? But, you know, I used to tell couples all the time to start a budget. You put a, a line down the middle of a page, and you put all your bills on one side, and you put how much money you make on the other side. And listen, if this side is larger than this side, if your bills are larger than how much you make, you're in trouble. So you either got to cut this, shorten this up, or go get you another job, or you're in trouble. Amen? Because when your outgo is greater than your income, you're getting ready to fall down. Amen? So, you know, it's just a simple way. But are are y'all tracking with this? So you just got to... Control your spending. And you see, that's a spiritual thing. If you have no self-control, then not only are you going to just, you know, just not control your spending, it's going to get out of out of hand. So the first, first thing we need to do with the 90% is plan our spending. Number two, getting control and reducing your debt. You know, the number one cause of financial pressure, you know, you would think, well, if I was a doctor and I made $250,000 a year, I wouldn't have financial pressure. You're wrong. I've heard, I've heard from more than one service guy, like an electrician, plumber, or whatever, and, and they say, you know, they got to go cut off the electricity in River Ranch. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. The first time somebody told me that, I thought, are oh, they just joking. You see, see, we need to pay the bill. Make sure that light. <laughs> that might be Slimco saying, hey, hey, pay me, pay me. <laughs> so listen. <laughs> hey, let's take this light, all right? Because this can be painful. Proverbs 22, 7 says, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. You know what debt Ultimately leads you to financial slavery. And, uh, and debt leads to financial bondage. So the more in debt we are, the more in bondage we are. And so we got to be careful about that. Ben Franklin said this, when you allow yourself to get in debt, you give another power over your freedom. You give another person power over your freedom. Now, obviously, it's kind of hard to get a house without some debt. Right. I mean, you can't buy too good of a car without a little debt unless you've been planning for it, right? But you know, listen, three ways to help reduce debt is this: limit the use of credit cards. Man, isn't it a lot easier to spend money when it's plastic? Man, I notice that whenever I pull out money out of my wallet, it's more painful whenever, than whenever I just flip out that card. How much is that? Oh yeah, how much oh, no problem, man, here you go. And then in about 30 days, reality hits. You better pay me back or else you're going to work for me. And you're going to pay me some interest. It's true, isn't it? So you got to watch out your credit cards. The number one cause of debt is using credit cards. And it's always easier to spend money when you use a card. But another another way to, to help reduce your spending is as much as possible, use cash to make purchases. You know, they say you spend a third less when you use cash than whenever you use a card. And, uh, you know, whenever Tanya and I first got married, we read this book together, and it was before Dave Ramsey was out or had his system, but he talks about envelope system. And Tanya and I used the envelope system. And we'd get our check and we'd, we'd cut it up. And we say, we need some gas in our vehicle. So we'd put some money in a, an envelope. We'd put it in a glove box. And we had a, an envelope called entertainment. And we, we didn't have much entertainment sometimes, you know? You know what I mean? Our entertainment was going to take a walk in the park, right? And eat some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Amen? You know, I remember we, we'd get craving bald crawfish. So we'd eat a peanut butter jelly sandwich. And we'd go share and order crawfish. I'm telling you the truth. But you gotta be, you got to be careful. And then here's another thing. Don't make quick financial decisions. You know, if you make a quick decision, you're probably going to live to regret it. Right? And that's why, listen, and I know some of you, are, you have businesses, you're in sales and stuff. But, you know, the reason why a lot of companies will offer you discounts if you buy it right now is because they know if you go home and sleep on it, you're probably going to decide you don't really need that. And so they say, man, if I can get him to sign on the line right now, then I got him. Amen. And so they want you to hurry up and buy it because if you you have a better chance of, of getting it, if you just shoot from impulse instead of sleeping on it. So if somebody tries to press you into buying it, that's a good sign. You might want to wait on that and just talk to the Lord about that. Come on, this is good stuff. Amen. Y'all agree with that? A third principle to managing your money is this. Not spending everything, but learning the discipline of saving. You got to save. Proverbs 21:20 20 says, the wise man saves for the future. But the foolish man spends whatever he gets. You know, I think we have a problem with our society and we're not thinking about tomorrow. We're just thinking about today, like the credit card. Man, right now I could go, man, I could go eat anywhere I want in town because my plastic will get me in. And we're not thinking about $30 down the road whenever that bill comes in. People are not thinking, I can live like I want. And they're not thinking whenever they die, they got to meet their maker. And so we we don't think about down the road. We just live for today. But if you think about down the road, you should be a saver. Right? And the Bible says there in Proverbs twenty-one twenty, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. And so why is it that more than 70 percent of Americans, they live paycheck to paycheck? And if they don't get one paycheck, they're now under strain. The reason is, is because they have no savings. They have nothing excess. You know, in fact, I heard, you know, right now with what's going on with the oil field, people are having to, to get money out of their 401ks or 403Bs, and they're taking a 40% hit. They're having to take penalties because there's no way they can get out of the situation they are without reaching in and getting their retirement money, and they're paying a huge penalty. And so the key to the key to being released from financial stress is you got to manage your spending, you got to reduce your debt, but you got to learn to save. Money Magazine says 78% of us will have a major unforeseen financial expense within the next 10 years. How many of you think it's probably less than 10 years? I mean, you know, I notice my tires wear out. Like they only last for so long, and I got to get some new ones. And those tires aren't cheap. I mean, they're proud of them tires, man. It's like, are you kidding me? How much you want for that tire? Come on, how many of y'all with me out there? Amen. But listen, do you know cars don't last forever? I mean, I'm telling you, I bought me a 65 Rambler in the 80s and that thing didn't last, man. I mean, it only lasted five years and somebody else had to use it for a while, but they don't last forever. Why don't they make them to last forever? I don't know. But, you know, we're going to have to buy another car one day. But how many of you know it's better that you save than you wake up one day and realize, man, I don't have no more car and I don't have no money. You know, remember when we're talking about relationships, I talked about savings are like relationships. You don't know the value of having it or not having it until you need it. Like people don't invest in relationships and whenever they're down on their back, they don't have nobody around them to help them. They they mess up all their relationships by, by abusing them or whatever or not investing in them. And then whenever they need them, they're not there. Savings is the same thing. You don't know the value of having it or not having it until you need it. And listen, you know, when we talk about savings, obviously, how much do you save? I mean, what would it take? I mean, a gazillion dollars. Who can save a gazillion dollars? Only gazillionaires can. Right. (laughs) I know that's deep right there, but it's true. I mean, how much? Well, I don't know, but I think it just helps if we learn to save. Amen. And I believe this, that the value, uh, many of us don't have savings, not because we can't afford it, but because we don't exercise self-control or self-discipline or because we don't make it a big enough priority. We just don't make it a priority. And man, it's a blessing to have a little bit extra. And so if you don't get that full check one pay period, that you don't immediately go into hyperventilating. Are y'all still with me? And listen, Proverbs six six says, Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or a ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in the summer and gathers its food at harvest. Now, I mean, God, I mean, you got to compare me to an ant. But he says, listen, go look at the ant. Get down on the ground and watch them. They go grab some food and they go store it. They don't eat everything they grab. And the reason they do it is they know winter's coming. And it might be hard to get some food. So I'm going to put a little bit aside for the winter. And Proverbs is saying, learn a lesson from the ant. The ant don't eat everything it gets. The ant puts a little bit aside for when it needs. Y'all receive this today? So I encourage you, if you don't have any savings, put aside, even if it's a dollar, a paycheck. And begin the principle of saving. And this is what I believe. Whenever you just, you never do it until you get it. Until you, you, you see the value of it. You never, you never attempt to do this unless you, you see the value of preparing for a, a rainy day. Right? But I believe this. That if we will begin using faithfulness with what God gives us. I believe he's going to bless us and he's going to help us accomplish what we're trying to accomplish. Amen. Y'all believe that? Amen. Now, now let's conclude our time by looking at ways you can mismanage your money, 100% of your money. Number one, we can mismanage money when we hoard our money or we become stingy. And that's what 2 Corinthians 9, 6, Paul said, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart, not to give reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is always pleased and rewards us when we're generous. Not just with our finances, but, you know, everything that if whatever our money can buy, whatever our stuff can do, God, God wants us to use that to help each other. Amen. And that's a good management of not just 10%, but 100%. Be generous. Don't be stingy and, and help your fellow man. Number two, we can mismanage money when we use wrong methods to get our money. How many, of you know, how many of you know that selling drugs is not the, the way that God would want me to make money? You know, I remember Tanya and I, again, we were discipling this couple. And, uh, you know, they, they lived in our neighborhood. We, you know, we brought them to church. They got saved. We're discipling them. And then uh, I found out what he was doing for a living. And I, I was trying to hold my mouth up. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's how you make money. And so, you know, God gave us the grace to just talk about it with him. And the problem was he was making money hand over fist, but he was in an ungodly way. And so we had to say to him, we said, listen, man, you would be better off having way less money than to be making money in an ungodly way. How many of you all agree with that? How many of you think that was good wisdom? And so, you know what? He did. He got out of that business he was in. That was ungodly. And you know what the reality was? They struggled financially. But even though they struggled financially, I still think he did the right thing. Don't you? Don't do ungodly things. Listen, don't. When we use wrong methods to get our money, God's not going to bless us. Proverbs 28.8 says, Income from exploiting the poor will end up in the hands of someone who pities them. Now, how many of you would rather be the one that pities them than the someone who exploits them? Amen? God is not pleased when we cheat others, when we lie to people to get more money, or or we do dishonest stuff. He He don't like that. He likes us to be above board, and he knows it all, right? And he sees it all. And so he wants us to just be honest with our dealings and how we make money and do it in a godly way. Can I get an amen? Listen, Proverbs 13, 11 says dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Amen. Do it in an upright way. And then listen, this one last verse in Proverbs, uh, under this point, Proverbs ten four: A lazy person will end up poor, but a hard worker will become rich. I think well, I just need to let that settle on us a little while. A lazy person will end up poor, but a hard worker will become rich. You got to work for a living. Amen? The Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. We can mismatch money when we are irresponsibly spend our money. And Luke 12, 48 says when someone has given, been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much even more will be required. How many of you know God requires us to be responsible with our finances? You know, listen, if I just got $10, I mean, I got to give God 10%, bring it to the storehouse. But then I'm also going to be responsible for what I did with the rest. Now, if you add some zeros to these $9, I got a whole lot more responsibility. You know, it's like, you know, if I got nine million dollars here, oh my goodness, I'm not gonna have to. I'm not gonna have the same accountability as somebody that got nine dollars as somebody that's got nine million. I just got to be responsible. For what he put in my hand, right? And so you got to you got to be responsible for what God has given you. Amen. Because God requires us. He gave it to us, and He requires us to be faithful with it. And because it's, you know, money is powerful, it's influence, it represents our life, it represents our time, it represents our sweat, it represents, man, it's like you can't hardly do anything without having some money to be able to get you there. It's hard hard to even spread the gospel and and build the kingdom of God without finances. You can't, you know, buy groceries without, you can't get electricity. I mean, it's all, you got to have money for it. So God says, listen, I going to take care of you, but be responsible with what I give you. And then the Bible says, if we're faithful with a little, then he's going to make us faithful of much. Amen. And I think it's all a test. It's life is a test. And God gives us stuff. And he says, let me see what they're going to do with this stuff. And if we can handle what he gives us, he might give us a little more. Amen. And how many of you want to How many of you want to pass the test and hopefully the Lord will just give you a little bit more to be faithful with? Amen? I think you do. And remember this. God wants to bless you and I so that we can be a blessing. Amen? And that's what he told Abraham in Genesis 12 and 2. He says, I will make you a great nation and I'm going to bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Amen? You know, listen, let me conclude. Why don't you just stand with me? I just want to conclude with this. You know, whenever I first got saved, those of you that are business owners, you have your own business or whatever, you, could, you might, you know, whether you do or don't, I, I'm sure you'd be able to understand this. But, you know, whenever I got saved, I thought, man, if I go to a Christian mechanic, man, they might give me, like, they might give me free mechanic work. Or they might give me a discount. I'm I'm just being honest with you. So it's like I would look at the Christian community. It's like, can you give me a discount? Can you give me a break? Man, I'm a brother. You're a brother. I mean, you're going to give me a good deal, right? And then one day, I was on my way to, I don't remember exactly, say picking up my car. And the Lord said, why don't you give them a little bit more than they ask and be a blessing to them? What? Devil, I bind you. I break your power. I break your hole. You're trying to, you know, you're trying to. And the Lord said, would you like more blessing on your life? Well, if you just become a blesser instead of a taker, then I might bless you with more because I bless you so you could be a blessing. Amen. He blesses us so we can be a blessing. He blesses us so we can be a blessing. Come on. How many of you want to be a blessing? Well, he blesses those so they can be a blessing. I want to be blessed so I can be a blessing. What about you? I want to be blessed so I can be a blessing. Amen? I don't want to be like that, that baboon that holds onto that banana and gets bound up because I'm not willing to just be a blessing. Amen? Come on. How many of you want to be a channel that God can use? How many of you want to keep that, that the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee? The Dead Sea has water coming in it, none going out. But the Sea of Galilee, water comes in, but it keeps going out, and it stays refreshed and blessed. Come on. Let's ask God to make us generous blessers. Amen? Can you receive that today? Come on, are y'all with me today? Come on, let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the grace. Lord, not just to manage 10% of our income, but to manage 100% of our income. Lord, I know that we can never live financially free lives until we finally get past just faithfulness with just part of our income and not being faithful with all of our income. Lord, I know the enemy wants us to waste our money, to squander our money. He wants us to live under financial stress and strain, and he wants us to to be in bondage. But Lord, I know that you have a different plan. and God, you want your people to be financially free, and God, I pray, help us, Lord. Help us as the body of believers to be faithful with that which you've given us so that we can live financially free lives and we can live our life in a way where we'll be able to hear those words one day. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. Amen. Come on, how many of you, you want to hear those words on that day? Amen 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 you know seriously if you can't find anything to help with the budget and you're interested in doing that just call the church and we're gonna find something print something and make it available to you amen but just google it and i'm sure or go to your app store and i'm sure there's an app for that amen if you need prayer for anything come up here and we'll be up here to pray the lord bless you The Lord keep you dry as you go out today. Amen. You're dismissed.